I've had clients come up to me in the local Walmart or the grocery store and they say, wow, I really miss you. I wish you were still my worker and you would always help me at Christmas and ask me what my kids needed, if they had enough food. And she said, you would buy diapers for me sometimes. She said, I know you bought things out of your pocket that you said were donated, but I know they came out of your pocket. But it made me, it made me feel good because it made me feel like I had helped somebody. I felt like I had made a difference in their life. And it felt good because they said a lot of people don't care. And I wish you were still there. And I'd hug them. And they and they just come up. Like some of them, I don't even remember their name, but they remembered mine. And because of you and maybe another worker that took an interest in me, I went back to school and I'm not on welfare anymore. And I told them I would hug them and tell them, you know, that means the world to me because all that hard work, there's a lot of success stories that never go told. Social work is this term that fits nicely on a piece of paper that you can file away. And all the other terms that go along with it, subcategories, child welfare, food stamps, adult protective services, those can all be racked and stacked. They fit nicely into statistics, into metrics, they can be discussed rationally. But what they don't reflect is the raw, unrestrained realities that these situations that this assistance, that the real life impact of these benefits have and on the individuals and the families that are going through some of the toughest times in their lives. How many other jobs can you think of off the top of your head beyond sort of your first responders, your police, your fire, where it would not be surprising for someone to come up to you in a Walmart or a grocery store just to say thank you, to give you a hug, and express their gratitude for the difference that you had made in their life or in the lives of their loved ones. It's a powerful feeling to know that you touched someone's life and that they knew that you care enough about them if they've been on drugs or whatever had happened in their life. They were an abusive partner and I got them away from that. I took them to the, to the domestic shelter in my own car, got them checked in. And you know, when you do things like that, it shows that you go the extra mile. You show them that you really do care about them. They are a human being. They're not just a number. They're not just a name on your caseload. That you will take time to listen to them when no one else will. And you felt like you made a difference in their life. And it was these small human victories, these small wins, that seemed to make it all worthwhile for Lucy throughout the course of her career. Not documenting how many cases that she'd handled, not measuring how much in benefits that she had facilitated, but it was the confirmation from expressions of gratitude, a thanks here or there, recognition from her work, supervisors, or her colleagues, that she had had an impact, that she had made a difference during her time. Personally, it would be, just looking back on 33 years, it would be just clients thanking me for going the extra mile, receiving a thank you note in the mail at work, thanking me for my time I spent with their parent or, or with their child. Or When I did adult protective services, there were families that were just didn't know what to do with their loved one, and 
they were unsure about a nursing home or other facility and I think my reassurance and guidance and advice and counsel really meant a lot to them that I took the time and helped them with the care of their loved one. In cases where we quote unquote rescued someone, I had to contact family members who were unaware that their loved one was not being given the proper care by the caregiver. And this was a real shocker to them. And I think just walk them through the process and not make them feel embarrassed that it happened, uh, that it could happen to anybody. So I think just in general, just people coming back later and saying, hey, I'm not I'm not on public assistance anymore. I got a job. I met a man and I'm going to get married and he loves my children. And I just want to thank you for always believing in me. Even when I screwed up, you believed in me and, and we were always there to support me. And I think that's personally just the most reward that any social worker or anyone in the profession of, of giving care to someone. Lucy's personal efforts didn't always add up or translate to career success, or at least in the way some might perceive or define career success. She was never one to pursue the upper senior management jobs. She was always more focused on the task at hand, being in the trenches and working with those in need day in and day out. But as Lucy neared the end of her career, she was recognized by her colleagues because of all those traits that set her apart and that helped define her identity as, at least in the way that she has defined it, as what it means to be a social worker and why she cared so much. I was picked as the worker of the year. Your co-workers vote on it. The state director personally handed out the certificates. They called your name and gave the county where you worked, read a little paragraph about someone, what someone, why you got nominated from your county, and this is what they read when they handed me my certificate. She's known for advoc advocating for her clients by making telephone calls and finding resources. We are proud of her as a co-worker, and we know her clients are lucky to have such a caring worker. This meant a lot to me for them to personally go together and, and write a paragraph that they knew would be read at the ceremony in front of other, lots of other people from across the state. So... It made me very proud, and all the bad days, the long the evenings when we worked late, and there were days that we went home very despondent or depressed because we couldn't help somebody, or we worried about the children, made, made it all the hard work worthwhile. Beyond her personal satisfaction and the, the recognition from her colleagues for her work, I wanted to get Lucy's perspective on, over the course of this three decades plus, what are the things that she would look for? that any social worker would want to keep in mind as they endeavor down this path of public service? What are those key attributes, qualities that can help make someone successful and also help those most in need? Compassion, patience, uh, be a good listener. I found that a lot of people just, if they came in the office and they were upset or you had to turn them down, they didn't make, they made too much for food stamps or they were getting unemployment and they were made too much, they would get very irate and maybe become belligerent. And you, I would sit and listen to them and say, I'm sorry, but this is, you know, the way it is. I think just listening and then a lot of times it came out that they were upset with their spouse or they were upset with someone else or with their boss or they got laid off their job. They didn't know where to look for a job. Unemployment didn't pay all the bills. So I think I found that a lot of people, just if you sat down 
and listen to their story, it made them feel better. They just needed someone to listen to them rather than you just brushing them off. And at our office, there were about three workers, and every month, when we got paid once a month, we would take money and we had a little red wagon, and we would buy toilet paper at Dollar General, toothbrushes. We would go to dentists. We had a dentist that donated toothbrushes. We'd buy toilet paper, paper towels, Kleenex. Women would come in and ask for Kotex. They didn't have money for it, tampons. We would, out of our pocket, go in and fill the little red wagon up. And so if someone came in and said, I had to tell them, they're not, I'm sorry, you're not eligible for food stamps, but I can give you some paper goods. Would you like that? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. And, of course, with food stamps, you can buy food, but you can't buy toilet paper or paper towels or Kleenex. So we would fill up a sack. We would seek out some community help to donate things. People could not afford that. When you look at, when you go to the grocery store and you add all that up, that costs quite a bit of money. So when we, I turned, had to turn one couple, little elderly couple away because between their social security, unfortunately, they weren't eligible. But, you know, it made them really good. I filled up a bag full of about probably $20, $25 worth of supplies. And I said, if you run out, you come back and we'll help you again. We have a little red wagon that some we, we donate. And they just hugged me and said, oh, we appreciate that so much. You know, so that took, that took the sting out of telling them, I'm sorry, you're not eligible. In reflecting on her career arc, her move from a big city to a small community, Lucy offered her thoughts and how it all played out. I think it was good that I, I I moved and relocated. I mean, at first it was hard to do, but I, I'm glad I did that because I saw it opened up a whole new area of social work I never would have seen had I not lived in, and worked in the rural area, a whole new set of challenges that challenged me personally and professionally. So I'm glad I was, I did make that move. It all worked out. I'm definitely glad I got that opportunity to see both sides of the fence, as they say. As is the case with any career, I was curious of Lucy's thoughts on on what regrets she has looking back or the mistakes that she made and what she might have done differently. Well, looking back, you learn, you learn by your mistakes or you learn by things that maybe you wish you had done better. I can look at back and see cases I, I suspected maybe, maybe something was not a, quite right and I didn't maybe have time to pursue it or... Maybe it came to light two or three years later, and I wished I had been more in tune with it. I was just so busy. You had day sheets, and you were quite, you know, you had so many home visits to work in within one week, plus going to nursing homes and doing re- what we call reviews, paperwork. It had to be turned in. And in a rural area, you spend so much time and a lot of time in your car. You're on the road quite a bit of the day, so going from point A to point B to point C. You feel like you don't have as much time to spend in the home because you've got to get get everything done. Your field work, so you can go back to the office and write up all your field visits, and then plus see clients and do uh, in office interviews. So, in looking back, there are several situations I wish I would have pursued, gone back, and and that sixth sense told me something wasn't quite right, and I never really will know in a certain instance if anything really came of that you know if that child was really in a bad situation I could only hope that if my sixth sense was right that someone else would have been in touch with it and tuned into it and the child would have been the situation would have been rectified but I think we all learn by our I don't call it a mistake necessarily but our in a hurry to get the paperwork done we you know we have to stop and people wanted to you know 
especially elderly people, you know, they wanted to spend, have you spend a lot of time with them. They couldn't drive. The only social visit they had was going to the doctor once a month or whatever. And so sometimes I look back and say, I wish I'd spent more time with that person. Two weeks later, they had died or they'd passed on or they were, you know, something happened to them. And so you look, you do have some regrets. I don't call them mistakes. I call it regrets. But I think you're asked, you're spread so thin, so many demands on you from the higher ups in the, we call it the ivory tower, that want you to, want the paperwork to be done and want the stat, the statistic to look good. And you get frustrated by saying, I don't have time to do that. I, I need to do some real social work. I need to go to the home and, and make, I need to go back to that home two days later and see if it really is okay for the child to be there or what, go talk to that teacher one more time at the school and see. Like an, I, I like investigative work. I always have. So it it bothered me that, yes, that I couldn't go back and maybe if I had time to go back and re, redo some situations, I definitely would have done them. As Lucy points out in her reflections, there's a difference between social work itself and these statistics and ways that the problem and the issues are portrayed to those on the outside looking in. If you were to rattle off a bunch of stats about the afflictions at play here in American society, you might point to something like there's 30 million Americans that live below the poverty line. Or in any given year, in the past decade, there might be something like half a million children who are victims of child abuse. And you could point to any number of other categories to make your case. But what these numbers don't convey is daily struggle that social workers face in trying to fix things that are broken. In trying to be a beacon of hope and light in an otherwise bleak environment or landscape and knowing full well that despite every effort that you can give, you're not going to be able to reach everyone, you're not going to be able to help everyone, but to continue to persevere day in and day out, but knowing even the smallest differences, smallest forms of aid, can change someone's life for the better. Join us next time.